Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to another edition of the Men's Mental Health Show. I'm your host, along with my co-host, Bradley Spillow-Spillane and Bodie Marsden, psychotherapist, uh, episode 84, and we do apologise to our listeners, uh, those that uh, tune in every week through the podcast. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to record last week's show with uh, comedian Leon Anderson. Uh, it was quite a good show, so uh, we'll be sure to get Leon back up here again. Just a quick thanks to all manufacturing personnel, uh, Proprietary Limited, uh, manufacturing in the labour uh, industry. If you're looking for work, uh, I'll put all the details up on the socials. And uh, also, too, to my good mate Dale Hunt, Mounties Group, and uh, the Lawson Post Office. Um, <coughs> And back this week, we've got Bodes, we've got the wonderful uh, and great timing and, and for all those things that we've been doing, all that hard work uh, that you and I have been doing, uh, along with Susie, in um, just following down that path of needing to do better as men or how we can change and thought today we could bring up a couple of examples and, and maybe just sort of challenge a few areas of, of how that is. What's, you know, what's your take on that, Bodes? Look, I... Um I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Um, it, it's something about uh, change. So my focus is on men um, and their understanding or lack of understanding about relationship and about fairness and equality and those sorts of you know themes that contribute to a supportive relationship. And I'm, I'm kind of interested in um, how we um, um, you know um, find the means by which we. Uh, genuinely can address that issue um, in supporting men mm. to make the necessary adjustments to actually come to the party mm. to in effect grow, grow up um, so I, <laughs> it's a recycled joke but you know there's that joke about how many councillors does it take to change yeah. a light bulb um, well it depends on how willing the light bulb is to change um, and that's <laughs> kind of you know one of the challenges we've got about working with men is how willing are they to change and how do you facilitate um, those resistances uh, will break through them in a way that a actually does bring um, a willingness to participate in their own recovery. Um, now, I'm noting also that in terms of um, domestic violence that, um, you know, we've criminalised the, um, the, the activity, we're using the power of the law um, because it's a criminal act. Um, but that of itself is... Um, um, you know, may not genuinely change men's approach to uh, an understanding about um, supportive relationship. And I think we've got to um, look more, more specifically at other approaches um, that allow us to actually make the changes that we're really seeking. I mean, one of the really interesting um, rises of, say, Aboriginal people in jails and the lack of actually real programs to assist um, mm. um, a reintegration in a meaningful way um, is that we can build more and more jails or we can build more and more sort of punitive sort of approaches to all sorts of things that um, we deem wrong in our living uh, time. But, um, but that is always a punitive approach and never addresses or seeks change. And I'm interested in evolution. Mm. I'm interested mm. in men's evolution mm. and men's growing up. Um, and I'm, uh, because I think that actually then grows and supports uh, w women and children. Um, so I'm willing to work with men who, who's, who um, might l seem resistant uh, or even plain angry um, and um, keep challenging that kind of production of response on their part mm. um, and say what else is possible. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, no, and it's, it's yeah. difficult work. Um, you have to have a certain uh, sort of capacity to manage um, 
the sense of despondency that can come up when someone is really, mm. really stuck um, in their position. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm reading a very interesting book called The Things That Matter by um, Ian uh, McGilchrist, who's a psychiatrist, and he locked himself away in the Isle of Skye for uh, quite a few years to write this book. And his, his exploration is on the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere in our, our brain, our, our, our uh, organs of apprehension, of apprehending mm. the world, um, and how... Um, we need to move into an evolutionary response yeah. um, and a global response. And the right hemisphere is responsible for global considerations, defining our place in, this, in, in the world. Um, and the left hemisphere is very good for explicit, um, single-issue sort of explorations. Um, but in of itself, uh, too much analysis can never take us to the place of a genuine shift and change. Yeah. That's right hemisphere business. Mm, mm. So, the, so in neuroscience, for example, there's some really interesting sort of developments going mm, on um, mm. that hopefully will give us some tools to be able to genuinely um, explore, um, uh, support change in the face of resistance. Mm, mm. Yeah. No, I, I think that's really well said. And, and uh, you know, it's important to note also, too, that you know, although we're... we're bringing up this discussion it's it's not a beat up session of men it's it's a session of 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 change and and learning and 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 that's everything that i guess we try to present for um for men uh, and and perhaps women on the show but uh yeah it's uh, it's terrific good morning susie good Thank morning you. bradley good morning buddy and morning. puppy yeah we've got munster here today munster. we'll have to get him in the photograph later eh? <laughs> how, how are you susie of course you do our councillor up here um labor councillor um go labor um i don't know if i'm allowed to say that am i i can say what i want but uh, you've done a lot of work um, in, with, with the women's shelters and domestic violence here mm. in um, uh, the mountains. How, you know, and I know that it, it might be repeating, I guess, some of the things we've done, but how are you seeing the progress of change through men? Look, I think men are probably more willing these days to look at their own issues and also make themselves a bit vulnerable because I guess if you want to change yourself you've got to look deep within and and it does require you to make yourself vulnerable and I think in our culture which expects men to be strong and brave and not cry mm -hmm. that those things are going against the grain so mm -hmm. and also I think there's a lot of structural issues that impact men you know um, men are expected to be the breadwinner um, you know there's a lot of these kinds of things that go against Mm. men's mental health you know mm. like I think if men are struggling they're still expected to work and mm. you know and often mm. that just increases the amount of stress mm. um, for them uh, yeah and I think what Buddy was saying too that people I guess whether you're a male or a female if you want it if you know you need to be willing to undergo that change process and that's a really big first step and, yeah. and often a barrier but mm. I think it's not insurmountable. In my job um, that I do in mental health, we have quite a lot of men ringing. Mm. And, um, you know, it's great to see that men... Isn't it? Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's really good to see that men yeah. are reaching out before things, you know... Escalate or yeah, get yeah, out of hand. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think usually when people ring a mental health service or make contact with a therapist, they've been suffering for quite some time. Mm. Like, it's not the first mm. thing the person does, mm. but it's really, sure. it's really good that they mm. do it before, you know they end up, for instance, mm. being hospitalised or, mm. you know, um, that they're recognising they're struggling. A lot of referrals come through GPs and that's right. really fabulous too, that yeah. 
uh, people, men feel they can talk to their GP yeah. and that yeah. the GP is able to then refer them on to somewhere that will be able to help them. Well, that, that really is the ultimate key, that first step. It is, you know, I, I talked to, I think I may have mentioned this last time, to Luke Boner occasionally on, on Triple M and the graveyard shift. And, you know, he said to me, Spillo, look, you know, I get all these men calling me, and majority of my listeners are men, I get all these men calling me, I can't get into the courts, you, they can't see their kids, and, you know, what, what, what advice can you give? And, and I said, well, look, the, the, the moment a man is prepared to, to change and take responsibility for his actions and his actions only, then and only then change will happen. That's my belief of it all. But to see, to be able to take that first step to, by seeking help, is, it, it's huge. I mean, mm. I, I struggled yeah. massively with that. Mm. Um, and then, of course, you know, over time, it, you just sort of strip back the layers and easier and easier it becomes, um, you know, to, to get back, you know, to where I need to be. So, mm. yeah, mm. Isn't, that, isn't that terrific, mm. you know, to, to hear that men are actually starting to do that. And I think we've discussed this as well, with, with some of your patients <coughs> coming forward that, you know, m men are starting to realise and see, you know, that, you know, changes are needed to be made within relationships. I want to... Uh, we've, we're going to call the Mayor shortly, um, Mark Greenhill, but um, I thought we, we could just sort of discuss a few things that might happen within a, a relationship. Um, and and, and I, I, I'm happy to talk from um, my... Um, experience of my, my marriage uh, it, it is that sense of entitlement not entitlement but ownership of you know I, I was always I guess um, you know because I, I was paranoid that my partner was you know, perhaps seeing other men or whatever so and it was constantly where, where are you going um, what are you doing um, and you know, it, it wasn't until probably only four or five years ago that I realised this is really that that's not the way to be. Um, you know, but when I uh, when I was at home and 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 my marriage fell apart, I you know I I got uh, quite quite upset and angry, and I put a lot of my former wife, ex-wife's belongings in the pool, mm -hmm. and. And rightfully so, I was I was charged with it for, for an act of violence, and it was you know. And at the time, I was in complete denial. I was furious that you know this. I, I the only thing I had going in my mind was, how dare you? This is my right, you know. Um, but it, it's not. And to 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 be able to learn and understand that change, and from talking to, to various people, Bodie included, where you start to learn those things that perhaps you've picked up from your childhood. You can point the finger at blame at, at, at anything else, but it's the moment I started to say, well, hang on, I'm wrong, and that's where things became a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really fantastic, isn't it? Because what you're saying is that was the start of your recovery. That was the start of, of yeah. um, a growth path, isn't it, mm. to, uh, to take... Uh, to actually say, yep, um, 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 I did something, mm. um, and I'm not a victim here. I'm a co-participant in this in this adventure, um, and I and this is my the, this is what I do, what I did. And um, I was talking to a, a guy this morning um, in in session, and um, similar thing. You know, he's had many relationships. He's his mid sixties, successful business person, um, and um, uh, but but always seems to stumble in relationships and. Right. Um, and, and so he's um, 
starting to sort of kind of reflect on why is it that when I'm met with challenge from my female partner, um, mm. I roar back with my own, you know, challenge back, mm. you know what I mean? And, um, and so he, and he said, I can't seem to sort of register the space between I'm okay and then I'm actually sort of shouting like a lunatic, you know what I mean? Um, so, so he's um, sitting in that uh, question um, because he knows that his response kills off his relationships. Mm. Um, mm. And it's not, it's not violence, but um, uh, he becomes so implacably unavailable um, and hostile um, that, of course, you know, um, you, uh, the, the relationship sort of finishes up. Mm. So um, that's his, his um, exploration. And he is, um, you know, he started to talk about critical self-examination. And, and words are really interesting because mm. lots of people talk about critical self-examination as a kind of form of self-hatred. You're a, bar- you're a dumbass, yeah. you know, yep. you, you can't get it right, yep. something wrong with you. Therefore, um, and I think that negative self-talk. Uh, David White, the poet, um, he often talks about what is the invitational posture we can take in our relationships that invites something. And I, and I think that's a really important stance that we can start to, to think more and more about um, is rather than showing up in, with aggression to threat, because that is what is, um, you know, the mechanism of what, of what aggressive response is, is a perception of, of threat. Um, and there's a reaction back. So ha- how, can, how can we moderate the, uh, the idea of meeting threat with attack um, into um, what he, his words, the client's words were, how could I have talked to my partner to help her step away from her rage yeah. um, so that we could have, invite a talk, you know, that's um, rather than attacking back. And I think that is that softening of uh, the armouring that, um, you know, men are very familiar with um, in the face of relationships mm. because men often d- describe it to me as inept. I don't know what to say. Yeah, um, and yeah. so they're, um, they're, and often their partners, female partners, are um, pretty, un- pretty much understand where they're coming from mm. and why they're mm. feeling aggrieved. Mm. Um, and, um, and so th- their, ver- their, their ability to describe that mm. um, is often far in excess of men's ability to actually sort of even understand what's coming at them. So, um, so there's some men often say to me, "Give me the words to be able to fight back or argue back." Yeah, yeah. I need some artillery. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and again, it's that militaristic sort of uh, mm. um, uh, um, almost uh, automatic default position that men come up with. Uh, and I think we have to recognise culturally and so, I mean, from a sociological point of view that men have been. Um, the warriors, the fighters, uh, the ones that were, uh, you know who put on the uh, the backpacks and the, mm. and the arms and f- and fight. You know, I mean mm. that's mm. that's been their designated sort of kind of role. Mm. And I think that dismantling that legacy of thousands of years mm. um, is one hell of an undertaking. And and so we're chipping away at those kind of reflexive layers that sit in the um, the back of the brain. You know what they call the reptile part of the brain, mm. um, which is that instinctive response mm. um, and that. Um, and we know something about we're still honouring um, you know, the vets and soldiers and I think we need to continue to do that but we also need to recognise the complexities of um, men's history in terms of function and role yeah. and what we're trying to do is to actually sort of start to, to pull apart roles um, because in a world of equality mm. role definitions w- with the rigidities of the past just don't work anymore mm. Mm. 
Mm, no, well, well said. Mm. All right, well, look, we might just uh, just change uh, path here. We'll go to a quick song, and then we're going to give uh, Mark Greenhill, the, the mayor of uh, Blue Mountains, a call. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Isn't it funny? I just had the song up here ready to go. Um, What's the song, then? Well, I thought, you know, because like, most of the songs I've got here are to relate to mental health, but this is a great song. It's Men at Work, Who Can It Be Now? And it's, you know, Who Can It Be Knocking At My Door? Go away, don't come around here no more. It's, um, it's, it's brilliant, you know, so uh, here it is.
Uh, welcome back uh, to the Moon's Mental Health Show. We're just uh, juggling up some things. We're just going to give uh, the Mayor a call now, Mark Greenhill, um, who's going to join us for a discussion um, here in the Men's Mental Health Show. Hello. G'day, Mark. Hello. Hello, Mark. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's Spillo here, Brad Spillane from the Men's Mental Health Show. How are you? Very well, but you're coming in as Susie Van Optor. I know. Look, I know. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I can't afford to use my phone. No, just joking. <laughs> uh, look, I'm here with my um, my co-host and, and psychotherapist yeah. Bodie Marsden. So I'll get both to say a quick g'day. Hi, Mark. Um, Hello. I, I guess um, because we have this mental health show, that what we're interested in is supporting men to um, you know to effect, effectively um, become more skilled in in, in relationships um, and. Have you seen the Gazette story I did a few years ago when I outed myself as a bipolar disorder sufferer? I think I did, yes. Um, So so I can talk to this stuff from a personal perspective as well as from the perspective of being the mayor of the city. Yes. Mark, what what we're interested in doing is how can we play a part in terms of men's mental health um, to to actually um, arrive at a coherent... Um, message of support of what you're um, very interested in and committed to, um, you know, so that we actually harness our strengths um, to maintain a consistent message, inviting men always to yeah. um, to step away from uh, from from violence or coercive yeah. control, you know, those sorts of things. So I'm I'm also interested in in um, facilitating, if you like, a sort of working relationship in some way, yeah. uh, ha- however that can work for both of us. Um, in order to uh, promote this incredibly worthwhile uh, re- reduction in domestic violence offending um, um, and, and creating, if, if you like, as a community in the Blue Mountains, a genuine place of warmth and, um, and positive regard. So that's my interest. Well, I think that there's a couple of ways in which we can do that. Firstly, is the first issue is what we're doing now, and that's talking about it. Yep. Um, bringing these things out and be open um, and having conversations about 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 the issues and about the importance of coming forward, about the importance of turning away from violence uh, and, uh, and getting help. Um, the second thing is um, I think that by raising the conversation, uh, we can also um, press um, state and federal governments for, for more resources those resources fall into a couple of categories. One is yep. having natural services available, but the second issue is, which is a front-end issue, is promoting um, yeah. coming forward and having conversations in the first instance. I mean, the services are only good if men uh, or any patients, um, will potential patients, will access them. Well and said. they'll only access them if they know about them and feel safe to do so. So mm. front-ending service delivery with some good, strong messaging. Mm. And I think I think um, also um, providing positive examples and role models mm. um, uh, and normalising mental health issues as well. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that that's key, isn't it? Normalising, it's, it's, that's a very good line, normalising mental health issues. Um, well, I, I spoke out because I was opening an art exhibition a couple of years ago. Right. Um, and if you Google Mark Greenhill Bipolar Disorder Blue Mountains Gazette, the story comes up. But I was, it was, there was an art exhibition for people who are carers of um, people with mental health issues. And so I have a rule that when I speak, I don't speak about myself 
because politicians that speak about themselves are ultimately really boring. <laughs> but I said that day, I'm going to break the rule for a moment because I want to say something of value to mm. to to the people in the room who produce these artworks on display at Braemar and say, actually, I know about the work a, a carer does because um, I've been a patient. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been an inpatient. Mm. Um, and... Um, and uh, uh, in fact, I've been an inpatient while I've been there. Yeah, well. Um, okay. And so I was in Northside for three weeks in okay. 2015. Yeah. You know, so, 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 so I, I, the other thing I wanted to say is in terms of people who work in the mental health sector, you know, a, a heart surgeon will know when they've saved a life because mm. the patient gets up and goes home. Mm. But mm. a mental health professional doesn't know how many suicides they've prevented. Yeah. They yeah. never know, right? They don't know. Mm. They, they, they are intuitively aware that their work assists in that space. Mm. But, but I'm here to say I can concretely tell you that the work you do saves lives in the same way that the heart surgeon saves a life because I was one of them mm. yeah. on, th- on three occasions. So, so, um, so in, in, since I was first diagnosed at the age of 20, mm. So, um, you know, I wanted to say that to them and that's what made me speak. Now, this, this again comes back to your question about what can we do? What we can do is talk about it and then, you know, from that conversation, bring government in as mm. well. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's a very key point, you know, um, uh, promoting, having the conversations, um, talking about resources that are available, talking about resourcing oneself rather than sitting in the suffering. Um, um, and not being, not feeling able to do anything, I think that's that uh, that is incredibly important. Um, and then I guess um, you know that drives a demand for for, for services. Um, and I think men um, uh, are. Uh, I think what we're seeing is men are much more ready to access services in order to attend to their own mental health um, or, yeah. um, or or deal with relationship complications and. Um, and so um, I guess that raises the question then, how do we make services um, uh, responsive to men's initial rec- inquiry um, when they uh, are unused to actually opening up? So that's, you know, that, that, that's part of the question. Not only do we need resources, but we need resources that um, are, are uh, not collusive, but are responsive to a man's beginning inquiry, if I can say it that way. Well, I mean, I think... I mean, I can only speak, um, I'm not a mental health professional. I mean, uh, my professional qualifications are in the law. And, um, and mm. so if you would ask me about that, I might give you a better answer. But so I'm going to answer intuitively um, uh, and, and, you know, let you in on a secret. Um, and that is that I'm a man in my mid-50s. Um, uh, this is the secret, you know. Mm. Um, and um, and so I'm, I'm of a certain generation, um, genera- generation X, very, which very, is very funny, which is which is just moving from, you know. So I'm on the cusp of Gen X and baby boomer, and 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 I know that men of my age and older are not raised to talk about their issues or concerns. Uh, I think men of a younger generation are, are, are better informed, better better raised in a way. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, you know displays of affection um, between men um, when I was 
going to school were not encouraged, um, in fact, actively discouraged. And so yep. talking about weakness um, was, was not encouraged. Yep, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Discouraged. I remember the hero of, of, of my school um, was, a, was a kid whose nose was smashed playing cricket and who, quote, unquote, batted on. <laughs> um, and didn't didn't complain, didn't show pain, and that translates to uh, other conversations: mental pain, mm. anguish, mm. Um, emotional pain. And so, um, for those who are, uh, are, are I guess, receiving um, male patients or male inquiries, particularly of a certain generation, perhaps mine and older, mine's more enlightened than the one that went before. Yep, um, have to be. I think attuned to the fact that there are still a significant number of men in our community uh, who just have this barrier um, to, to, to talking about themselves. Um, I mean, I, as I say, I've, you know, I, I was a young person in the 80s and, and 90s, and so the 1980s were, I guess, more enlightened than, than the decades before. But even now, I mean, I have to push past a certain barrier to have um, a conversation um, uh, about myself, yeah. and um, and so and so that's um, that's something that um, is still an issue. Mm. Um, yeah. And so I guess carers just need to be attuned to that. Yes, mm. I, I I too live with with mania uh, bipolar two type two and. Um, you You're know, type two. I'm type one. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I'm. My biggest issue is is mania. So, there was a stage there. I think last year where I was going three and four days without sleep, mm. and of course, you know, been, been, when, been there. Yeah. Well, and of course, when it, you know, it's like the law of gravity, isn't it? What comes up mm. comes down, and mm. um, so. It, but you know, I guess being involved doing this type of of work and and and. Mm. You know, getting to know Bodhi and understanding and learning so much from him, as well as being in in places like Northside, um, you learn to develop and pick up the tools that help. And were you were you in Northside? Yeah, I, I, I went to Northside Northside. 2006. I think I went there, but um, oh, it was 2015. Yeah, and and I think, uh, but then I went to Mossman. Um, but uh, look, <coughs> yeah, it's you know, I, I think that the the great thing about those places and from what you're saying, speaking up and, and, and getting the help uh, is the fact that you learn to develop tools, if you like, to um, be able to cope with uh, situations such as mania, such as uh, depression, um, anxiety and, and all sorts of things. But, um, yeah, um, mm, mm. it's been very, very good of you to give you your time this morning, uh, Mark. I really appreciate it. No, it's, 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 it's a pleasure. But, but um, look, I think that... You just raised an important point. I just want to just settle on this, this idea of having the tools. Yeah. When you can get the breakthrough, um, uh, and you can and can reach those in distress, and, and there are various tools. I mean, there's obviously medication, which mm. is a tool, but mm. then there's mindfulness and a whole bunch of other stuff that mm. comes into it as well. Mm. When, when you can when you can get um, when you can get those breakthroughs and get get those tools into the hands of sufferers. Mm. Um, that's where you start to save to save to save lives. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, can, can I can I delicately give you an example? 
Sure. By the way, are we actually on air? Yeah, we are. We're live. Oh, goodness me. I didn't realise I thought we were having a pre-conversation. Well, there you go. How free-flowing is this? Um, okay, so can I, if, if I could just steal a bit more of your time and just yeah, give sure. you an example. Uh, and I'm going to be very careful because, I, 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 you know, the people live in the community. But um, I became aware of, of a young sufferer bipolar um, through that person's family and I um, offered to, to speak to that young person about you know, my own journey um, so that they'd have someone um, in the community who was recognisable, who could be an example uh, mm. to them. Mm. Um, and that young person was in hospital at the time that made that offer. Mm. I never got to have that conversation oh. um, because unfortunately, you know, uh, as you know, as is the way with, with the illness you and I have, mm. Um, mm. Um, uh, he ultimately took his own life before mm. that discussion ever took place. Mm. I'm not sure of the actual percentage, but the, the, the mortality rate for people with bipolar disorder, as one example, and we, we've talked about bipolar a bit, but I mean, this goes for a range of mental health conditions, mm. but the mortality rate is really frightening yes. Um, yes. for yep. bipolar as it is for other forms of, of, of mental illness. Mm. Um, so the importance of being able to reach out or listen or hear or pick up mm. um, the signals is vital. And mm. it's not just the, the, the sufferer, but those around them and the, and the injuries mm. or the damage they may inflict upon those in their circle. So this, this conversation that we're having now needs to grow broader. Mm. It, needs to, it needs to have an ear of government. Mm. Um, it needs to have appropriate funding. Mental health services are appallingly mm. underfunded in this country. Um, and uh, and uh, we need to recognise the value of those on the other side of the equation who are doing the caring, mm. who sometimes uh, have their own um, uh, points of suffering as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess, what you're doing is fabulous mm. to the extent that you know i or the or the, or the councillors can engage in the conversation with you um and indeed orient our own organization to to, to playing a role mm. um is, is something i would very much welcome yeah. yeah i think i think that's very well said mark thank you um also you know because the more places in which mental health actually is reflected on um assists a, a, a greater opportunity for people to come forth in the end because there's a feeling starting to emerge that um, I will be heard um, and once a, a story is shared the burden is halved or that I idea that um, the, the, just even op opening up um, people talk to me after the end of an hour uh, on the first meeting and they say oh gee I feel a lot better um, you know because I've started to reflect um, and of course the, the work later on is always about um, looking at old patterns, looking at the at the beginning of old patterns um, that may have stemmed from a, an issue um, that um, has left a traumatic mark of some sort, what, what, whatever it is, um, these are all beginning um, um, steps that we need to take. Small steps, um, but the, you know, opening up. And I think when across the board um, organisations are responsive to mental health as a given. Um, and then um, those opportunities for getting supports um, without that costing your job or a perception of weakness, um, you know, um, will make such a difference. And so what's the elephant in the room or the hidden problem, you know, becomes part of our common discourse. Um, and, um, you know, it's a solution-focused approach rather than 
a, um, a testimony of failure. And, and so we've got to rework how we use language, um, how, um, you know, what signals we give, all those sorts of things, so that it becomes ultimately an invitation rather than um, um, a search for error. Um, so shifting, oh, shifting the yeah. way we think about things. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compassion. Mm. Yep, that's the yeah, word. Exactly. Empathy. Openness. And yeah. normalising mental health. I mean, mm. so many people in our community at some point in their lives have suffered from some form of mental health issue. So many. It's, we should normalise that people are not alone. Mm. You're not unique or strange. This is, there are various different types of mental health um, mm. concerns. We know that. But if you take them as a whole, um, it's prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are not alone, and, mm-hmm. and understanding can be found. Um, mm-hmm. And more and more, we're, we're accepting that things we saw in the past as stoicism were actually, you know, embedded trauma. I mean, you know, we talk mm-hmm. about the, the war generation and the veterans who never spoke of, of their experiences. Weren't they stoic? No. They may well have been deeply traumatised, and that was their way of coping. We, we know veterans of, of, of various different conflicts come back and, and you know, substance abuse and uh, suicide are major issues. That sort of suffering is not new. These things have been present in society for a long time, but now we're more enlightened mm. um, and we need to extend that conversation and extend that enlightenment, normalise mental health concerns and open the conversation. Mm. Mm. Yep. No, no, well said, Mark. Mark, um, Mark Greenhill, Mayor of Blue Mountains, Thank you so much for your time uh, this morning, and um, I I really appreciate it. I know you're in the city working, um, but uh, if you get a Tuesday off one day, come on in and join us, eh? (laughs) Well, I I wouldn't have have accused you of of masquerading as Susie Van (laughs) Ockel when you were on air. Well, she... Uh, she She's, she's just absolutely, Susie's, I think it's about the fourth time she's come on. She's just oh, wonderful. As a, uh, as I think the first thing I said to Susie was, I just feel like I want to go over there and cuddle you. you know? oh, <laughs> she's got such a lovely she's, smile. And, yeah. oh, she's a great addition to the council. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the experiences she's had mm. um, bring to us something that we've not had before. Oh, that's um, wonderful. So, yeah, I mean, no, I think we're, we're much stronger organisations than her presence. Yeah. Mark, I was just going to say, I figured it was better the time that you've got um, to be talking to the two presenters here, so I've just been sitting in the background listening, and well said, you. Thanks. Go you good thing. Mark, thanks so much, mate. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. All the best. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, it was, that was wonderful for Mark to, to give his time. Um, you know, um, he didn't have to do that. And, well, you know, to talk from his own experience of, um, you know, uh, of having bipolar. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and sharing that with us today. I, I wanted to, to bring up something before we go to a quick um, uh, break. I've got to play just a couple of announcements. But does it surprise you, Susie um, and, and Bodhi, that between both the parties throughout this election campaign so far that I think between Liberal and Labor respectively, it's number 34 and 31 on the list, mental health. So it's really, in other words, it's, it's, it's not been spoken about. Yeah. I think if you, I guess there's a few things, because there's so many big picture issues. 
I agree. Um, you know, mental illness, mental health affects every one of us. But if you think about at the local level, I think Susan Templeman does talk about it quite a lot. She's well, I think I think Susan and and we're so fortunate mm. to have Trish and Susan and, yeah, and yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. with like within the federal sphere, I think Susan's been arguing for oh, more funding yeah. personally. Um, I don't feel the NDIS works particularly well for people with mental health problems. Mm. I'd like to see that improved. And I think um, part of the um, reviews and improvements of NDIS that Labor are proposing, I think, has to include uh, uh, yeah. looking at how yeah. people with mental illness are travelling within that program mm. because mm. some of the mechanisms that are in place, they don't actually acknowledge the, the importance mm. of social inclusion. You know, they're all very individually based. And I mm. think I mm. think having... Um, more kind of support groups and, you know, to bring people out of their isolation I think is really important, but I don't think the NDIS works particularly well mm, for that, mm, so... Mm. No, but yeah, fair enough. I, I tend to agree. Um, could well, you just let, uh, let Claire in? We're going to say goodbye oh, to sorry. our other guest that's with us this morning, um, Mr Munster McCann. Um, a little, little shih tzu that's, uh, that's been keeping us... Um, happy, a little Shih Tzu, and, 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 a, and that he is at times, a little, yep. Um, <laughs> but anyway, all right, well, look, um, well uh, yeah, sorry, mate. I just want to come to what uh, Susie was saying about social inclu inclusion. There's a good book, um, Lost Connections by Johan Hari, um, and that examines um, powerfully that uh, issue of lost connections. So he had a journey in mental health um, and increasing um, usage of um, medication in order to treat um, uh, uh, um, alienation on his part right. and um, and um, what he noticed that after 15 years of medication that really he was trying all sorts of combinations um, all sorts of levels and there was still no change to his fundamental sense of um, alienation so he began to sort of explore um, the cultural context in which we actually or a social context in which we meet and um, he, he did some really interesting research right throughout the world, exploring um, new shifts and changes in programs. And one of them that he highlighted was in Berlin, in which uh, people who were living on their own with mental illness um, and were um, in, in supported accommodation, but basically sort of kind of existing on their own, um, a, 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 what, they were invited to uh, come to a, um, a block of land that was that year, um, full of rubbish and invited to create a garden and of course the individuals that never met each other oh. having their first painful meeting had no idea of, of gardening and had no idea of um, what they could do or what they were capable of but there was a, a very interesting persistence in trying to attend to um, the project as a possibility mm. but what emerged out of um, six months later what emerged is an increasing sense of satisfaction from all the participants yeah. um, in the joining together um, to actually do something which they'd never uh, um, had done before. Mm. And also from a clinical point of view, what was interesting is that medication um, were being reviewed, um, uh, the uh, amount of medication they're receiving was, was being detuned or, or um, um, uh, almost, almost disappearing, and people had genuine... Um, sense of meaning and value in their mm. um, in their work because they were making a contribution mm. and they had a cultural and social connection mm. um, rather than mm. sitting um, in their own individualized sort of kind in, of space. In, in, that's right, yeah. And I think that really, um, if we if 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 we don't attend to 
the social reality of a person's life mm. um, and the opportunities that um, that need to be created for them in order to grow and, and flourish, mm. um, then mm. we're, do, we're, we're doing a great disservice. We're, staying, we're clinging to an old idea that mm. it's an individual failure, mm. but actually it's a collective failure um, to recognise the importance of social connection. Mm. So mm. I just wanted to really... I, 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 yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken quite openly about my experiences mm. with medications and... And, and I found, particularly uh, with my mania, it takes the top off. So it's, it's basically reducing that high and that low and keeping you within a zone, if you like. That's ideally what it's, it's there to do. And, and antidepressants is quite similar. You, you have antidepressants because you're down and they help bring you up. Um, but it's not a natural thing. I don't necessarily think they should be used long term. These are, again, to the listeners, these are only my opinions um, and, and also that too of Bodhi's. But... Uh, you know, it, it, it can also take away that what you're saying. You know, your social presence, your, 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 what your purpose can be, what your your value is. You know, your attendance in in discussions, and um, you know, I, I talk about it quite often. I mean, we look at sorry to break away. We look at this campaign, right? And it's all the journalists are out there to do is just to get them. It's just it's mm. just got you, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's 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 about seeing if they can stick the knives in. It's about being nasty. It's about being cruel. It's about pulling people up I mean you've got Albanese has just come out of COVID I don't know too many people that had COVID that didn't get brain fog done pretty well I think but but Morrison he he goes back he fights fire with fire but you know we're missing out on on the values of of compassion where these where these leaders are coming from is is one more compassionate than the other is one more genuine and we're losing that whole purpose of where we can trust because we don't get to know them better because all it is is just about smearing and, and, and bringing people down. And I think that we do that a lot um, as well. I think a lot of the, the TV shows that we have, are, you know, the Married at First or whatever, the, the Survivor, it's all about throwing shit on people. It's all about trying to bring people down and then you can bring that into your own life and become quite a negative person. I, I've been extremely negative of late. I've been extremely mm. depressed mm. and it's been difficult to... To, to be able to move forward. But one thing I have learned and continue to tell myself is to be kind. Just to be kind. If, if I can't be kind to myself, be kind to others, and then that kindness will come back. Yep. Look, so look I think part of the problem is that um, uh, politics is essentially an adversarial uh, domain for uh, the so-called idea of sorting out the best ideas. But actually what it's become is, um, is more um, a, a place to denounce the other uh, who uh, belongs to a different party. So it's, you're in a different mob, therefore I'm, uh, you know, we're in attack mode. So it's essentially adversarial. Um, and then, you know, the paradox is that we're trying to um, talk about reciprocal relationships, say, in... in in um, men and women, um, single-sex relationships, that sort of stuff, right. to be more reciprocal, to be more uh, uh, respectful and, and, and coming from a place of equality, mm. listening to each other. Um, but mm. at, the, at the high point of our uh, system of governance, um, you know, we have a different model, which is adversarial. But I, and I think the conclusion that we draw sometimes is that's happening in all sectors of society. But I think there is really what's beginning to happen is there's an undercurrent of change that is going on that is still not being picked up by the news um, organisations. Mm. And so they're paying attention to the, um, the one percenters who, mm. are, who have the power and control and the media attention focused on them. And we're making the mistake that that's happening on all levels. Mm. But there is a 
revolution going on, very, albeit very quiet, which is actually saying we're over the old um, yeah. adversarial sort of kind of approach. Mm. And we're genuinely looking for connection. Mm. 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 I think one well, of the yeah. problems with the coverage of the campaign, I mean, this is just being a bit political here, is that in a way the media, instead of ter- interrogating ideas and trying to educate the community on what the policies are and what the differences are, yeah. in a way it's this self, um, self-interest in, in action. You know, they're really, just like you said, after that gotcha moment, mm. it's all about creating news mm. Um, mm. because we've got this 24-hour news cycle and you've got to feed it yeah so it's yeah. really so much of it's just about creating news and yeah. and mm. so they catch someone off guard and then that becomes the news story yeah. Yeah. and it's not actually about who's who um you know the policies and it feeds yeah. totally into that feeling that people have that all the political parties are the same which i actually totally disagree with mm. but mm. i can understand why people might have that view because Really, that's what the me- the role of the media currently mm. is basically mm. just to create that news mm. fodder mm. to keep this mm. whole thing going. It's mm. really quite disappointing, I think, and it makes people tune out. And that's why you that's end true. up with yeah. with leaders yeah. like Donald Trump. You know, who would have ever guessed that Donald Trump would have been a suitable person to be the president of the United Absolutely. States? And there he, he got got there. And yeah. I find that shocking. Yeah. And I think mm. it's the the like a lot of those forces in the media. Um, are operating here too and it's yes. quite frightening really that it just turns people people just shut down yeah well, well it's yeah. a good point it's, a, it's similar in the philippines bong bong you know the son, oh, yeah. the son yeah. of marcos you know yeah. is uh talking about the golden age and he's using tiktok and all the sort of um um new social media sort of platforms um and people are sort of have no idea of the history mm-hmm. uh and it's extraordinary but are receptive to a lesson or to an idea captured by uh, charisma and i think that's Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, mm. it's an absurdity, isn't it, in the modern world? Yeah. Um, but there we are. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, let's just take a quick break before we come back for the last segment, uh, uh, section of the show. Uh, we're with Susie Van Opdorp, uh, of course, uh, councillor here in the Blue Mountains. Uh, of course, Susie works uh, closely with um, domestic violence and, and, and women's refuge and, and under mental health. And, of course, uh, my good mate and co-host, uh, Bodie Marsden. Um, we'll be back after these short messages. A message from the New South Wales Government. With winter approaching, it's time to strengthen our protection against viruses like COVID-19 and flu. If you're aged 65 or over, an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person aged 50 or over, or severely immunocompromised, you're eligible for an additional COVID-19 winter booster dose four months after your first booster. Flu vaccinations are also available now and can be given at the same time as a COVID-19 vaccination. Visit nsw.gov.au or call 1-800-020-080 for assistance. Station sponsor. Progress has been made to connect Australia's healthcare system. Now everyone can choose to get an electronic prescription, have a consultation with a doctor from home, and use My Health Record to view your COVID 19 dashboard, including boosters and test results. And there's more to come connecting Australia to a healthier future and you to better healthcare. Find out more at digitalhealth.gov.au. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. Spoken by Dr Andrew Rochford. This is the Men's Mental Health Show on RBM 89.1 FM, streaming live on www.rbm.org.au. Welcome back to the Men's Mental Health Show. Um, 
We're just uh, just discussing in 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 the break. Uh, Bodhi's been talking about um, how do we, how do we get this conversation going of awareness around domestic violence, perhaps in the home. And uh, I thought about this just over the last couple of days, and I thought maybe. I don't know, we, we, not almost role play, but we could bring up a couple of ideas that is a good way of bringing this discussion up with your partner. Mm. Um, I think a, a wonderful thing to do is, and we tend to lose sight of that because you, once you get in a relationship, these sort of things go round and round and round. And, you know, I always refer to a guy I worked with, Matt Morley, who just is a machine. He's just a phenomenal man. He, he, you know, brilliant salesman, but uh, he's also a brilliant mate, but he's a fantastic husband and he works hard on that and he'll stop and have discussions with his wife where he, he might be you know busy at work and, and he sits down and says look where am i where am i falling down do i need to do i need to put somebody on to help me and you know so he works hard on his marriage but i, I thought a, a good thing to perhaps discuss with your partner is some is boundary setting um boundary setting um is something that uh, you know, like it, it, it could be something. Oh, geez, the way you 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 do that in the morning, it, it annoys me, and I've never said anything. But and and you know, you sort of cringe, particularly when you if you're in a tight space or what whatnot. But so setting up uh, boundaries are a good way. I feel particularly in you know towards prevention of of many things, including domestic violence. And some of those things would be, you know, you don't need to to ask me where I'm going all the time, or you don't need to ask me. Um, who I'm talking to on the phone, or you don't need to ask me, you know, all, all of these types of things are, I think are, are quite handy. What do you think, Susie? Yeah, I think it's really important. I, I guess, you know, if the fundamentals of a good relationship should be based on equality and respect. And so, but then it's also hard to define, isn't it? Sometimes you might need a bit of outside help to mm. work out what does that actually look like. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it can be hard too that if um, one of the partners has a mental health problem for the other partner to either not take too much responsibility for it um, but be supportive, um, provide support when needed. Um, I'm a member of various Facebook groups and one of them is a, a group for women who are partners of people with bipolar and it's really interesting i didn't wow. expect the oh, group. Wow. yeah it's quite good but some of it's quite explicit so, so the women be... have their partners the men have bipolar yeah yeah sometimes it's a female partner but their partner partners have wow yeah has wow. bipolar tell, tell, tell us a bit about that yeah it's really interesting i mean some of it's very distressing because often mm -hmm. they're women uh that are isolated and mm. there's often a lot of violence in the relationship mm. and also um i think it's that hard thing like which parts of the behaviour are to do with the mental illness and which parts are basically domestic violence, if you mm. know what I mean. Like, yeah. and, yeah. and it's really hard to define these things, and especially when you're caught up in the middle of it. So, um, you know, a lot of, in a lot of these situations, women are in the process of leaving or they're trying to re-establish boundaries, and that's the thing that comes up constantly, it's, is the thing about boundaries. boundaries. Yeah. And they recommend this book, which is called um, Women's Spouses of domestic of people with bipolar or something like that and it's actually it's it's interesting some of it i've i found um it involves the partner taking a lot of responsibility for the person with bipolar's medication and and stuff like this which i don't necessarily i mean i think you need to be you need to be educated don't you but i think ultimately the person 
who has the condition needs to take responsibility for that because mm. otherwise, um, you know, you're treating them like a child, really, mm. aren't you? So, yes, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it is quite interesting. But there's a lot of good, really good Facebook sites. There's another one that I'm a member of um, which tends to be it's sort of a based on empowerment of people with mental health conditions and destigmatizing, um, de um, mystifying, I guess, mental illness. And so it's very much written by people who were suffering some sort of mental illness and them taking control mm, of mm, um, mm, mm, the, mm. the narrative as well that goes yeah. alongside mm, it. Mm. And I've learned so much from these groups, mm, you know. Yeah, mm, um, yeah. Because often they'll be promoting particular books. Maybe it's someone in the group has written a book. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I find it really interesting. So it's good. It's interesting to mm. know the ways that you can get support and, yeah. um, and also yeah. the ways that you can reach out, the ways that you can learn. And, and really... Um, That's the key. Yeah, yeah, look at what's going, yeah. what it's like for the other person yeah. to get into their shoes, you know, because often on these groups people are talking isn't very that, personally. That, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's, um, I think that's a, a terrific... Terrific thing, mm. because you'd learn so much too. There'd also be a lot of silent uh, members that would just be reading and, and learning, and mm. and perhaps scared or afraid to talk up for, for many mm. reasons. But uh, you know, I, I, I think it's also too. It's, it's something to be careful about about hiding behind. Mm. Um, you know, your, your, your mental health, or if, if you have a condition like like I do with bipolar, it's not something that you know I, I try and hide behind. I don't certainly say, "Well, it's the, I did this because I." I mm. have bipolar. Yeah. Um, first of all, if that's the case, I did this because I didn't do anything about my bipolar. Mm. Is more the answer. That's yeah. yeah. And I think also what you're saying is people like in these situations, it's women who whose male partners mostly, although sometimes it's female partners, mm. have bipolar. But what it shows is that the person with bipolar is not taking responsibility for the yeah. condition and therefore mm. the partner is yeah. and yeah. Yeah. gets They're really messy off. and it really mm. impacts on their quality of life yeah. mm. as well. Mm. Plus, you're not really helping the mm. other person, are you? Because mm. ultimately, if change needs to happen, the other person needs to make the change. You mm. know, you can't make the change for mm. them. And so it's very, very interesting. Sorry, well, I, I, I love... Your approach, and if you know, I, I mean this in, in, in the deepest part of my heart as a compliment. And that whenever I, I've discussed with Bodie, he doesn't necessarily talk about the condition or, or the mm. diagnosis. Mm. Okay, and, and, and I wonder is that um, uh, your approach because it's given you success in, in, in what you've done with your patients and, and friends and family or whoever over the years um, is, is by attacking or, or making work on therapy or on discussion or on conversation around, uh, you know, the issues at hand. Is it fair to say that? Yeah, you, no, you? it's fair to say that. I'm, I'm, I'm careful about definitions because mm. I think one of the sticky underpinnings of definitions is that they, in fact, do stick and the person begins to think that they are the def definition. Mm. And what happens, of course, is that um, the chance for change uh, dries up um, because of the idea I've got a mental illness or a mental condition. Mm. So I'm mm. sort of careful to step away from defining terms and to keep a conversation open-ended. But I was thinking, um, you know, that also one of the interesting things that it, we were discussing in domestic violence now is coercive control. Um, and there's a number of subheadings that I can identify. Um, and, it, and all of us um, can employ these strategies um, um, 
whether you've got a mental health condition or not a mental health condition, it is a human reality that we, we do things like blame the other, um, constantly criticise, um, isolate them from their networks, mm. um, keep, keeping the score uh, as if we were an, uh, a budding accountant. You, know, you did this and you did this and you failed to do this. And, you know, that, which, which really, when that happens to me, someone's yeah. you know, pointing out all my errors... Yeah. I really feel a sense of alienation and as I'm sort of yeah. withdrawing, you know what I mean? It has such it, a real it, effect. It uh, hurts. On yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, creating dramas, um, use of intimidation, the veiled threats, those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, moodiness, you know, so the, mm. uh, guys often say to me, I'm walking on eggshells often in a relationship and women are saying the same thing about mm. their male partners. Mm. So, you know, mm. this is equally shared sort of kind of uh, yeah. strategy, uh, yeah. things that we do to each other. Um, ignoring boundaries, you know, somebody says, "Look, I need mm. you to be, to to respect this boundary," and it's, mm. and it's ignored. You know mm. that that's um, that, that's injurious to a relationship. Yeah. I guess the thing is that um, I'd love to do a program on exploring this and and to be able to sure. point out um, that if you did half of these things in a new way. Um, probably what I would predict is that the relationship would immediately start to relax and actually rebuild and regrow. Well, why don't, so we, do, why don't we do that? Yeah. Well, let's do, well, let's do that. With, with Susie again in, 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 in three or four weeks' time. I beg your pardon. No, keep going, mate. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, uh, well, there's one more item. Uh, jealousy, the, uh, um, yeah. the need for undivided attention or what they call the Othello syndrome um, where you're sure that the partner is having multiple affairs with other people so mm. yeah <laughs> i lo- love yeah. that term mm. othello syndrome but um oh. and and attempting to change you know attempting to change the other and that's also paradoxical because at once one level of course we're always interested in in um having our needs met you know both partners are willi- wanting to have their needs met and and um and but the blunt end of attempting to change the other um through accusation um, you know, kills off relationship and connection. Fra- mm. Connection, I think, is a fragile thing, and that's the other thing we need to understand: is that the um, throwaway remark um, uh, can be absolutely devastating mm. in, in its effect. We, so mm. we need to be careful about what we say uh, um, and the use of kidding sort of kind of threats. Oh, I'm only kidding. Mm. Um, you know, mm. if you create unsafety in a relationship, it takes a lot of work to actually. Um, recreate the safety Mm. Um, so there are a lot of good pointers that we can offer um, Mm. um, so that person can say well I could do that Mm. Um, and Mm. um, and then men often say to me I I remember one case recently where I said to the guy well well, why don't you slow down your um, upsetness uh, to your partner Um, Mm. and he came in the next week and said it was amazing. Mm. I mean, just, mm. I, I apologised for my. Um, he took ownership. Uh, mm. Intensive mm. sort of, you know, mm. uh, way of being in the relationship. Just burst into tears, and she said, "I just, wow. ne- I just needed you so, to, yeah. I just needed you to love me, to, 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 to um, yeah. you know, you, you, your hostility, your, your upsetness yeah. felt yeah. like hostility. So, that, that, and that's that's what happens, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's certainly something that I experience is. Mm. is as much as I might say these nasty things or, or might get these nasty things said to me, I'm pining for love. Yeah. I'm pining for recognition. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm craving it. You know, there it was, it was something I remember I did when I saw a counsellor in my marriage was, you know, 
had had to say ten things that uh, why I loved my partner, and then ten things why I didn't. And after I said those ten things of why I loved my wife, it was just so difficult mm. to say. Yet going in there, I could have had two hundred things about what gave me the shits or annoyed the hell out of me, or you know. But but once I said that. You know, it was you know, it was as as one as great powerful, example, great very example. very powerful. Yeah, mm. it is a great example. And and, and get, it's getting back to it, isn't it? What we you know how we open this up about you know the gotcha or it's mm. getting about it. It's we're so quick to judge, we're so quick to be cruel and, and nasty, and it's mm. just you know, start the day off with some some love and kindness. You know, yep. Start the day off with a bit of Susie Van Opdorp, right? <laughs> All right. Well, we're coming to the to the back of the show, and um, Susie, thanks. What is there anything you want to add to to, to, to the discussion so far? Or? I think we've had a great discussion. It's been very free flowing, and yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, I when um we were having that conversation about the use of labels, I totally agree with you. Like labels, diagnoses. I mean, they have their purpose. Like mm. it can actually mm. help someone to have a diagnosis because then they they think, okay, that's why and in a relationship it can be helpful because you can go okay so that's the mania speaking or yeah that's the like in the, work, in the workplace with someone you can say oh okay that's why he's talking yeah, a bit faster yeah. than not. Yeah. yeah so it is it can be useful but on the other hand i kind of see it as a very blunt instrument and that yeah. so much um diagnoses are like a collection of symptoms mm. um and these are often things that lots and lots of us feel you know, yeah. like yeah, it's not not, it's not, a definitive not normal for everyone to have those yeah, moments. Yeah, it's not a definitive kind yeah, of, no. and I, and the thought that people limit their lives or um, feel guilt or you know feel that incompetent because they have this label. I think mm. that's totally mm. unhelpful, and um, I mm. think I agree with what Buddy's saying that. You know, the label's there; it's in the background, but actually, what it's we're talking about is how are you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how are you doing? How are you coping? Yeah, what's yeah. helpful? He's what's br- he's not brilliant. helpful? He's brilliant yeah, like yeah, that, and yeah. and I think that that that's the the important thing, you know. And I think I think a lot of the time we we get pretty lazy as as mm. as well, we are. We, we get so many things that are just out of our hands, our mm. access, and and to think that taking an antidepressant is going to make you happier. Well, it's not. You need to do the work. It's a, in fact, it can it, it can you know. Not work at all. Or really. make things worse. It'll make things yeah. worse, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think that's why, um, you know, I, I, I can't do a show without this fellow. I think, mm. Um, mm. you know, and, and, and the purpose behind that is is because he's just, it, just the knowledge that he brings, uh, the wealth that he brings, the kindness that he brings, and, and, and everything that comes uh, mm. along with that. And, and yourself mm. too, Susie, when, mm. you, when you come and join us on the show. So let's, let's put something down in four weeks' time where we have this discussion We'll send you an email or a text so we can come a little bit more prepared. Something that we don't often do on the show is, is prepare ourselves. Well, Bodie does, but um, we just sort of, you know, let it be free-flowing. And, and um, But, you know, get that conversation up, folks. Um, start talking about your feelings going forward uh, with your partner, bringing up the discussion, what some of the things that have hurt you. What's uh, what's making you you stay awake at night? Um, yeah. What's giving you you know your anxiety? Is your heart is your chest tight? Um, all of these things. The the mind is such a powerful thing. It's amazing to think that uh, you know a, a panic attack 
comes from the mind when you have a panic attack certainly doesn't feel like it's coming from your head it feels like you're dying that's what <laughs> it feels like it feels like you're do- dying so get that conversation going stir things up and um, I want to thank uh, Mark Greenhill for coming yeah. on the program and um, you know being so generous with his own story um, and his own recovery um, and his own insights that derive from that so um, thank you Mark and you know that idea of um, normalizing uh, our fragilities in terms of as human beings um, I think is a gesture towards um, breaking down those inf- uh, ideas of superiority um, over other people's inferiorities and that sort of stuff. I think mm. we, I think to be kind to each other is to actually sit in our respective mm. stucknesses and successes mm. and mm. failures um, in a way that's... Um, um, it, of course, we have to have a goal of becoming more insightful um, of our condition and not repeating the old numbers... Um, and that's not easy. I mean, I'm, uh, if I think about my own journey, um, I've, I've got lists. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I frequently sort of, you know, resurrect those lists. And I find I haven't done any of them. And I'm going, what's, what's wrong with and then, you? Know, why, that's why, right. Why, why aren't I upgrading myself? Um, so the habituations, um, uh, you know, are so persistent. Um, but the intent to uh, become more skillful in, in oneself, mm. I think, is a genuine human occupation. And I want to encourage people to uh, step into that kind of journey of self-discovery. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no. And uh, well, I think you do that, folks. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. Um, of course, uh, if you would like to uh, have a chat or a session with Bodhi, you can do that on 0424 416 969. Yep. 0424 416 969. If you're overseas, uh, he'll, he'll do a Zoom with you. Um, is very reasonable, um, but uh, more than anything, he's exceptional. And, and I know uh, I can say that firsthand from personal experience, but also, too, from, from a lot of people that have referred on to Bodhi, Big thanks to uh, our, our listeners. Um, I had a look, uh, the wonderful Claire had a look just uh, this year. We've had over 5,500 listens. Uh, that's through three quarters of the um, uh, Anchor, through Anchor, the podcasts. Uh, so that's that's a that's a terrific amount of people, and I think uh, that goes full credit to you guys as listeners, and we appreciate it very much. Uh, Susie, thank you, love. Thank it's you. been lovely uh, to see you. Yeah, you too, and we'll see you again in four weeks, hopefully, um, or just when you're available. Bodes, love you, mate. Thank you. Good on you. All thank the best, you. and thank you, everyone, and uh, look forward to having you back next week on the Men's Mental Health Show. This is Brad Spillane. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>